five cats, two pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And we have a first part of a two-parter today. Woo! Woo! We sure do. <laughs> we are going to talk about broomsticks. Yeah. So Bessems, brooms, and witchcraft today. Heck yeah, dude. I think this is like a classic that we've been putting off because we needed to do the research. <laughs> so we finally yes. got around to it. <laughs> gonna be awesome the research was a bit daunting for this one yeah i think you know as we get more into the topic we'll chat a little bit about that in the process for sure but yeah yeah, this is one of those things like doing black cats or hats or anything sort of classically witchy that there's so many resources out there so much research so this is like you know the 5C2P flyby. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did there? I did. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start this episode off because it's so damn witchy with lighting our ritual candle right from the top. Oh, I love it. Yeah. You're getting so good at remembering. I know. I, I know. Yeah. You know, I think it's because I'm eager to jump into our summer candle which has been gifted to us already. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get into it and ready to feel summer. We're recording Memorial Day weekend on the rainiest damn weekend of the whole year. <laughs> it does not feel like summer, but no. we're going to will it into existence by lighting this candle. I'm into it. Yeah, no, it feels like winter again or like the very beginnings of spring. And I've got to be honest, it's bumming me out a little. Not into it. I'm ready to be warm and to wear shorts and tank tops and be out in the sun for a little too long and get a little too dehydrated out in the sun for too long (laughs) because I'm drinking too much alcohol and playing bags in the yard and whipping all of your asses again like I did on that one night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready for all of that too, including having my ass whipped at Cornhole. Which is, yeah, you are, you are the reigning supreme champion of cornhole and it was only the one night. <laughs> yeah, but it was so thoroughly kicking our asses <laughs> that, that, that title can't be stripped. Yeah. It's, I, I think it was 13 games in a row. Oh my God. It was insane. Something like that. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> somebody will, somebody will beat me this summer. I'm sure of it. That was just, I was just the right amount of drunk and the lighting was just perfect where I could just barely see anything. So every throw was like a throw of faith and it just worked yeah yeah man that was your jam (laughs) (laughs) but as much as we wanted to be outside doing that sort of stuff this weekend we we were mostly inside doing inside stuff like a couple of bums because it's raining however it is also the first weekend that Massachusetts is fully reopened. And I'm sure if you're listening to this, not in Massachusetts, maybe even in Massachusetts, you might be thinking, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sh- I assure you, we are too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's kind of nice. But today was the first day where I walked around where I'm like, I don't have to wear a mask. Do I wear a mask? Some people are wearing masks. Some people aren't. The fuck am I supposed to do here? <laughs> yeah, dude. It feels weird. Like yeah, you I'm don't not really ready. know what to do and you kind of feel strange without one but then you feel kind of weird with one yeah I I like I want to not wear my mask but I'm not ready yet so what that culminated in was every other block I took it off or put it on (laughs) because I couldn't make up my mind (laughs) I'm very comfortable being maskless outside in general but like passing people I don't know still makes me like, I'm like, well, this is the polite thing to do is put my mask on. Yeah. I've been, I've been pulling it up like passing people. 
you know, doing the like wear it on your ears and pull it down to your chin yeah. when nobody's around and then pulling it up when they walk by. It seems like the polite thing to do. Um, maybe, you know, other people live in places where there's not that many people walking by them. Yeah. We and you totally don't have to wear it, and we don't have to wear it here. It just seems it's weird. It's just weird. I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> so I'm gonna do whatever makes me feel comfortable in the moment, even if that moment changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I do look forward to the day where it is comfortable and regular to not wear a mask again, like at all. Yeah, yeah. But maybe not today. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't today. It wasn't today for me. But what was today and what I was feeling in walking around was that feeling of like mask or not, it did feel a little different because there were more people out and more people in shared public spaces doing things. Today was the first day all year that I took an ass pocket of stickers with me and graffiti <laughs> stickered 5C2P stickers around Somerville, awesome. which was super fun and something I love to do. And if you would like, listener to receive some stickers i will personally mail you an ass pocket of stickers not from my ass or pocket but a nice little stack of stickers that you can put up and around and on your favorite things and in your neighborhood and tag us so you can always just drop us a line at 5c2p pod on gmail or 5c2p pod on instagram send us a a little message with your address and i will drop you a few stickers in the mail to to put out wherever you'd like you know be polite uh, that's my only, like, my personal rule of thumb when graffiti stickering is not on personal property. Yeah. Like, not on private property, public property. I don't give a fuck. Telephone poles, the backs of street signs, like, public like like public fencing, that sort of shit. Yeah, whatever. But somebody's personal mailbox or a private business, like, no, that's just rude. Yeah, be cool. Be cool yeah, about be, it. Be, be cool, but I'll send you stickers. <laughs> So, before we get into broomsticks, although this was a particularly blah week, I have some exciting news to share. Ooh, what you got? Yesterday, I received the Ravenloft book for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, that is so exciting. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had a chance to read through the whole thing yet, but I've been skimming. It's got some cool shit in there. So, if you're not familiar with this book or this setting, um, this is more like a, oh gosh, this is a little bit more like an Eberron book for Dungeons and Dragons. This is a sort of world setting as opposed to an adventure. So it's not an adventure guide. It's not a canned story, but it's got a bunch of resources that dungeon masters can use to help create horror games set in Ravenloft. And I'm so fucking excited to get into it. Is there any cool stuff for players in there? A little bit. There's some extended class stuff. There's an additional uh, sort of subclass or specialty for warlocks and one for bards. And there's some backgrounds, one of which you already have, Lindsay, Yay. in Curse of Strahd. Uh, and there's some cool like race stuff. But they really focus on the, oh gosh, what's it called? the alternate lineage oh, um, right, right. form of building your character. So there's some things around that that they sort of expand on in the book a little bit and really heavily encourage or seem to heavily encourage that somebody takes alternate lineage. Even the imagery. I will give kudos to Wizards of the Coast. The imagery in this book is more diversified than a lot of the imagery that I've seen in past books. So you've got like 
a really fucking dapper looking orc with like a very like high tight flopped over like haircut and a super suave trench coat holding a pistol. And I'm like, Oh dude, that orc could be a fighter. He could be a rogue. He could be anything. He oh. looks amazing. He doesn't look like a big dumb orc barbarian. He looks like <laughs> a really cool hot guy who happens to have bottom tooth fangs. Awesome. And so I really like, and there's a lot more um, characters of color like depicted, not just like, colorized but clearly taking you know inspiration from um asian uh ancestry or african-american ancestry or like you know it's just it it's a much more diversified really cool art style book and i'm really into it and it's very inspiring as a dungeon master to look through it as a player and be like man i could be anything and look however the fuck i want sweet dude yeah so very cool very excited to get yeah, that super awesome <laughs> Lindsay, I got to ask. Huh? I haven't heard about your cats in a while. Oh, you know, the cats are the cats are the cats. Um, so I tried, maybe I told this story before. I don't remember, but I did try to start leaving the bathroom door open again. Because we've been closing it for the past year. Because Mr. was pooping in the sink, right? Right. So we got the litter robot and we'd been closing the bathroom door to retrain him to use the litter box. And I started reopening it. And once I started doing that, I found a single tiny turd. <laughs> Just the one? In the sink. It wasn't even a full sized turd. <laughs> it was like a, I am going to squeeze as hard as I can to <laughs> shoot something out so I can leave something in here. Honestly, it was like maybe the, the like the round of a quarter. <laughs> and so but like did you leave the door open after that no oh so you immediately were no. like yeah no fuck you we're not doing this yeah, again i was like fuck you yeah. but in brian seeing me leaving the door open he thought that we were leaving the door open so he started doing it and alas i found a second turd oh, no! around the same size <laughs> oh man <laughs> it's like a spite turd he's like bitch you haven't been letting me shit in the sink i'm just i'm gonna leave you something in here a hundred percent yep so rude yep man cats in their litter we i shared uh, a little while ago that we tried the like separate food bowl thing yeah to get kenway to stop scratching the walls and being territorial now he just scratches above both food bowls <laughs> <laughs> It didn't fucking work at all. It worked for like a day. And then he was like, oh, wait. He's like, all of the food is mine. Yeah. It, he's scratching just as much as ever. So Aww. it's just a thing we're going to have to put up with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor oh, guy. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's just the life of a cat owner. Yeah. Nothing. Not a damn thing we can do about it. Just sweep it up. And move on. <laughs> yes. I did not pick up that turd with my hands. So, you know, <laughs> not this time. <laughs> I didn't know you did it with your hands the first time. I, remember I told you I had to pick up the cat pee in the litter box with my hand? I think because so, Because yes. it, like, flopped out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I used a piece of toilet yeah, paper. Yeah, I was going to say, this. you're in the bathroom. I just sort of assume <laughs> you've got toilet paper around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making assumptions here. I think they're safe ones. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we take a little break and we'll come right on back, talk all about broomsticks, besoms, and witchcraft. Coolio. Sweet. Sweet. 
See you soon, witches. Welcome back. Oh, thanks, dude. All right. We're going to get right in to this topic because there's a fair amount to cover here. But before we do, I sort of want to put out there that because there's so much, there's there's the art history, there's the herbal lore side, there's the craftsmanship, there's the folklore, there's folklore in different countries. There's so much to cover when it comes to brooms, broomsticks, besoms, and association with witchcraft that this is going to be our version of it. <laughs> so <laughs> our 45-minute podcast flyby on broomsticks, besoms, and witchcraft. Sound good? Sounds good to me. Okay, cool. Know. So before we get into what, you know, what they're used for and, you know, what the association with witches and brooms and flying and all those good fun things, we're going to do our due diligence and define what is a besom and how does that differ or how is it similar to a broomstick? Because I know I am going to use the words pretty much interchangeably. Because <laughs> I fuck shit like that up all the time. <laughs> so essentially, a besom is a broom that is made of twigs tied around a stick. So once upon a time, there was no woven corn husk nylon made in Mexico brooms. It was just, here's a stick with some twigs tied around it, and you use that to sweep out your house and steps and courtyard and whatever. Okay. And it was that traditional, when you see sort of that round-shaped broom, mm -hmm. that's a besom. So it's more, it's both the shape and the materials, but it's now sort of more commonly used or referred to um, when you're thinking of a witch's broom. Some people, some books will only use the word besom to sort of identify like, this is a broom for witchcraft, as opposed to an orange push broom that you bought at Ace Hardware. <laughs> heard, heard. So all besoms are brooms, but not all brooms are besoms. Yeah, great. Perfect. <laughs> we nailed it. <laughs> uh, and... And we're going to talk about both, uh, but you know, for this, at least for this episode, we're going to focus more on besoms than the sort of more traditional broom. Yeah, talking about like the witchcraft aspect yeah. of the broom. And I also wanted to point out that it's so interchangeable; it's become so intertwined. The idea of witchcraft, witches, and besoms throughout history that the word besom actually has become slang for women of different um, reputations, shall we say. <laughs> so in different parts of the world, a besom can mean a woman of low moral standing, a prostitute or hussy. In England, it is thought to be a crotchety old woman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Normandy, the word sobok uh, means besom, but it in, translates essentially to mean woman with a broom. So there is an entire word for woman with a broom. <laughs> <laughs> and in German, um, there is a phrase of, uh, I think it's altbesum, which means old broom. But it doesn't apply to the 
the appliance or whatever, I don't, the tool, uh, doesn't apply to an actual broomstick. That term and phrasing, old broom, only applies to people. Oh. So it's almost like a, like calling somebody a hag. Right. Or I don't, I don't know what, like, you old bag. Like it's, yeah. Like you, you call them an old broom instead. <laughs> like you're worn and tired and just done. Uh, yeah, or like I don't know, you're you're stiff and stuck in your ways. You're <laughs> you're crotchety and weird. You're I don't know. I don't I don't know exactly where it comes from beyond the idea of like a woman with a broom usually was up to no good until brooms became more of like a Puritan cleaning your house kind of thing. Yeah, huh? That's crazy. I mean. Brooms and besoms have been associated with witches for centuries, dude, like a really long time. So it does make sense that they would use this word and apply it to people in that way. Yeah. Yeah. To some extent. We wanted to, there's so many, but we wanted to highlight a couple of our favorites. Yeah. A couple of fun ones for you. Yeah. Yeah. So in Ireland in 1324, a wealthy widow named Alice Keitler was accused of witchcraft. And among the many accusations against her was one that she had been spotted sweeping her neighbor's doorstep in an attempt to sweep away their good fortune from the house and into her own. So greedy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, in discussing this uh, episode and and the different things we were going to chat about, I liked that you were like, well, maybe she just had OCD and was like, Bitch, you can't clean your doorstep. (laughs) I mean, it's totally possible. Like, people get crazy about that kind of stuff. I know I like things a certain way at my place. And it was like, say, you know, say that I just cleaned up and sweeped up my porch. And, you know, my neighbor's porch has bird seed all over it or something. It does, you know, sometimes make me crazy. This is this is actually a true story. And yep. it happens. And, you know, my neighbor's porch has bird seed all over it, which is connected to my porch. So sometimes I sweep her side of the porch. When I rake leaves <laughs> in the fall or in the spring, when we're cleaning up, having like yard appreciation days, I clean up my neighbor's areas as well. Not just my own one. It's rude. And to just do my own. And, you know, I'm sure that there is a time like if I were to like, I don't know if I raked my neighbor's portion and then I like accidentally like caught a wire or broke something or whatever then I'm sure they would be like oh blame me except if this was in like the 1200s they'd be like you took my good luck (laughs) (laughs) you know I think that's you know sometimes just sweeping your neighbor's porch or doing whatever is a nice thing to do not only is it something that's going to help them out whether or not they care it's also something that's probably going to help out your mental health if that's why you're doing it. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I think the the most popular one or um, one that you know comes to mind often when you're thinking of that sort of traditional imagery of witches and broomsticks in history is the depiction of witches flying um, that comes from the uh, illustrated manuscript of a poem, Le Champion de Dames, which I think is... Um, the Champion of Women, and, which was written in 1451 by Martin Lefranc. And basically, this isn't actually, it's a picture of a witch, but the little caption above it uh, is identifies the image as uh, a 
Valdesinian, a member of a breakaway Christian sect that was declared as heretical by the Holy Roman Church in the early 13th century. So they were Christians <laughs> who weren't Christian enough or Catholic enough, I guess, in this case, and then got depicted as witches. Tale as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's a witch. <laughs> Plop them on a broomstick. <laughs> you know, though, the, the first person that was recorded confessing to riding on a broomstick was actually a man. Oh. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Imagine that. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, it was this Augustinian priest, and he had publicly scoffed at the church's warnings that witches were running amok in the countryside. So he was charged with making packs with the devil and flying about on broomsticks. <laughs> Basically was charged with witchcraft. Basically. Now he did confess to his crimes. Um, the, the confession was tortured out of him. Such a good confession. Right, right. After which he did repent, but he was sentenced to be imprisoned for the rest of his life. Dude, because he was like... Pfft witches yeah, right <laughs> very little tolerance they're like you scoff you must be a witch too oh my god oh my god well witches have been depicted as flying around on a bunch of stuff oh yeah not just broomsticks oh yeah and one of the things that I actually read in relation to male witches or warlocks uh, and flying was they are more often depicted to be flying on pitchforks than besoms oh which I thought was kind of neat it's sort of that same era, like, farmy tool in my head. <laughs> but oh, okay. So, like, a man is more likely to, like, pitch hay with a pitchfork, and a right. woman is more likely to do something a little more domestic, like sweeping the house? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep, that makes sense. Yep, that's what I had in my head anyway. Yeah. But, you know, witches can, you know, ride goats or horses or pigs or wolves. <laughs> Shovels. That was a new one. Shovels. <laughs> Shovel seems like it would be kind of heavy. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess so does a goat, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm thinking, <laughs> when I'm thinking about the live animals, I assume that the animal has the magical power to right. fly like and you're the, just sitting on it. The object or the animal is the, like has the enchantment right on it. yes exactly wow. <laughs> <laughs> um the last one that i saw was there are some depictions of witches riding quote-unquote unwilling gentlemen which is a little like which is kind of funny and then when you think about it it's like oh no that's all that's that's sexual assault Man. i mean yeah <laughs> it is but also these are depictions and they're probably like super old so who knows what people were really into and who knows if they were really unwilling that's true. And a lot of these images are not, I saw a woman soaring through the sky on a broomstick. Yeah. It's just a metaphor for what's actually happening. Exactly. As much <laughs> as, oh my God, do I wish we could just plop our ass down on a broomstick and fly around. Dude, I know, right? It would be so cool. It would be really fun. Would you I go would, upside down? I would. Yes, probably. I, I would get my license for a broomstick before I get my license for a car. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> I might. <laughs> so most of the time, like when you think witch on a broomstick or a besom, what do you like? You think typically business in the back, right? Bristles in the back, 
stick in front. Yes. This has been plaguing me all day. (laughs) All day since this morning, I have been trying to find out why some of the most early depictions of witches on brooms shows the bristles in the front. Okay. Now you found an article where basically a, a, a witch or a witch enthusiast suggested that it was because of the phallic shape and nature of the broom. So it should be pointing with the, with the penis end towards the woman. Yes. Towards her front. Um, yes. And an actual witch, not a witch enthusiast. Okay. Okay. Um, he suggested that, you know, everything that you see in, uh, in like modern media, like the Wizard of Oz or Harry Potter, he says that they are writing those brooms wrong and that there is no way that in real life those brooms would fly because they are writing them the wrong way. Now, he doesn't really give an explanation other than it's because it is a phallic symbol. Right. So, so this is where I'm sticking to this, which lacks imagination. Possibly. <laughs> I mean, aerodynamically speaking, it does make more sense for the bristles to be in the back. You would think that if they were in the front and you were flying forward, that the bristles would slow you down. Yeah. That's what I would think too. And I'm trying to think of like all the different Things that I know about, like, the twigs and the magic imbued in them and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I guess it kind of also depends on you thinking about your broom pulling you forward. Because a lot of the magic that is supposed to make the broom fly, according to witch lore, is in the bristles themselves, the twigs. And so I'm wondering if it's, like, the broom's supposed to pull you up and pull you forward versus propel you from behind? That actually makes a lot of sense. Maybe. Yeah. But in relation to just it being a phallic symbol, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I can have a dick from the front or the back. It's like whatever. It's (laughs) it's just as phallic either way. Missionary or doggy style. Like whatever. You're just going to like, you're still writing it. Exactly. Does it matter? And if his argument is that it is a phallic symbol, it leads me to think maybe... Just maybe it was positioned that way with the bristles in the front because it was going to be easier to apply flying ointment. To the bristles? No, to the stick and to your vagina. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I still think it's just as easy from the other direction. I mean, yeah, I think it's fine. I think you can do it from whatever way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it hasn't always been that way. It's basically flip-flopped. So, you know, the, the earliest uh, imagery that sort of relates to this is actually from a 12th century uh, German cathedral where they found a painting of a naked woman wearing a cloak riding a thistle. And so the bushy end of the thistle is behind her. Mm -hmm. And that's supposed to be thought to be the earliest version of a woman on a besom that we have and then around the 17th century they got flipped around and so then witches were depicted like we were saying with the bristles in the front right sometimes with candles in them oh well that makes more sense <laughs> if it's like you know a, a basket on the front of a right. bike yeah yeah <laughs> uh, it's, it's like it holds shit for them sometimes like, that's where the cat sits i don't know yeah <laughs> um 
And then by the 18th century, they got turned around again and the business end was back. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know why during that like century there was a reason, there must've been a reason where people were like, oh no, it should go this way. But then there also must've been a reason where they just flipped it back and were like, ah, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Who knows? <laughs> no, I asked about the flying ointment thing because that you can't talk about flying on a broomstick without talking about flying ointment, in my opinion. But when we talk about what it is, my questioning was around the like, why does it matter for the broom? Because I learned this week that you actually apply the flying ointment to the witch, not to the broom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I've read both. So I've read that you can apply the flying ointment to the witch because it doesn't need to necessarily go like on or in your vagina. You can do it to any part of your body where there's like a membrane thin enough for it to seep in rather quickly. Yeah. So we can do like armpits or, you know. Yeah. Armpits, feet, ankles, um, wrists, foreheads. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones that I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or you can lather up your broomstick and slide all over that baby and get it in that way too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can. I just, that just, in the world of practicality, I just, that, I don't know. I'm just speaking for myself. The thing I'm not going to like, I don't know. I'm not lubing up my broom. (laughs) Well, maybe not you, but I mean, there's, I'm sure there's been a world where there's been a lot of lonely, horny women who, you know, are totally willing to do that. That's fair. That's (laughs) totally fair. (laughs) Now, what is flying ointment? So this is basically where a lot of the, um, the folklore and the mysticism of witches can fly comes from. And essentially it is known as flying ointment or green ointment. And it is less a like physical flying. Again, really wish that was the case. But unfortunately, witches can't fly into the sky physically. It was likely more of a spiritual or psychic journey. They, they were like taking a trip. Oh, yeah, dude. They're, like, totally tripping on, Uh like, hallucinogens. (laughs) Exactly. Because (laughs) this is usually made of a base of either belladonna or mandrake. And if you want to go back to episode 54, we talk about mandrakes. It is a highly toxic plant. Both of these are highly toxic hallucinogenic plants. And if that's what you're making the base of your ointment with, one, you know what you're doing and what effect you want. Because if you don't, you die. These plants don't fuck around, but, uh, it's basically like a psychoactive drug that produces visions. And on top of that, a lot of these recipes would mix it with, among other things, a high content of clove oil, which you could check out in episode 58, but clove oil is an antiseptic and a numbing effect. Mm -hmm. So, you get really stoned, you get really high, not stoned, you get like astral projection, vision inducing high, and then you numb your pussy and your feet and your hands and your forehead and you feel numb and you think you're flying. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you feel like weightless. Yeah, and then when you add into it the rituals of sometimes these, um, this would take place and this ointment would be applied as women would 
straddle a broomstick and jump like around bonfires to help increase fertility or welcome spring and those sort of things. And those witches, when they came down off their trip, thought they'd traveled great distances because in their mind they were. And so (laughs) I just think that that whole thing is so fucking cool. They go on like a spiritual vision quest while doing a fertility welcoming the spring ritual riding around on their broomsticks with numb feet yeah man yeah of course they thought they were flying i think that sounds super fun i think it sounds fucking dope (laughs) 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 i'm like wait how do i make this (laughs) all right so that was a lot we got a little bit of history we had a whole lot of fun. <laughs> Why don't we take a little break and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the Bessem and like what were they made out of? Because turns out they didn't just pick any old twig or any old branch. Ooh, it had to be special. Had to be special. Coolio. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you soon, which is. There's a bear. (laughs) I'm sorry if this is your first episode. (laughs) That is an inside D&D joke that is only funny to us. I'm so sorry, but we're going to keep doing it. (laughs) Okay, so we were talking about broomsticks and besoms and flying and flying ointment, but we haven't really talked about the besom itself. And I want to touch a little bit on the traditional besom and the materials that it's made from because they are traditional, they're specific materials. And, you know, you could basically, in theory, take any old stick and any old bunch of twigs, tie them together, and it's a broom, it's a besom. Uh, but as it relates to witchcraft, there's some rules. Or I'm not going to say rules. There's some guidelines. Okay, cool. So... The most important thing is what are the two pieces of this made from? And we're going to start with the broomstick. So most traditional besoms use a um, an ash or hazel shaft. Now those are two types of trees. And the thought there is ash is actually supposed to protect the rider um, specifically from drowning. It was the one that I saw more than once was like, Ash will protect you from drowning if you fall off over the water. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, I don't know. It was so weird. If you fall off, you don't have the broom with you anymore, do you? I don't. Yeah, I don't. Like, I don't think so. I don't. That, like, that's literally, <laughs> that's, like, I saw that more than once and it was so weird that I had huh. to mention it. But it was supposed to protect a witch from drowning. And the second part, the hazel, um, hazelwood has a strong association with wisdom. So that one makes a little bit more sense. And essentially you're just, you're, you're selecting a, a branch that is an appropriate length. Uh, and you know, for you and your needs, depending on how tall you are and all those good things, but, uh, you know, you're choosing one that is relatively not free. So as few little branches coming off of it as possible and you let it cure you let it dry 
And when it dries, you want to uh, make sure that the bark doesn't peel off. So sometimes if you're drying a branch, the bark will like peel back and get all like curly on the ends. Mm -hmm. And that's supposed to be like a bad branch. Don't choose that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and there's some like, there's some don'ts as well. So the do's are ash or hazelwood. Now the don'ts for a broomstick, uh, pretty big don't was elderwood. And that's because when besoms were at their sort of height of popularity, elderwood was really strongly associated with death and was often planted um, next to the graves in Christian churchyards. And so it was Christianity, it was death, it was death of paganism, it was death of witchcraft. So don't use elderwood. Okay. I won't. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Now for the twigs, the twigs were often birch twigs. And they were chosen because it was thought that primeval spirits lived in birch and would help raise it into the air. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So that's where I was like sort of thinking maybe the the birch twigs were helping to propel you forward versus pushing you from behind because the broom itself has this essence, the spirit living in it that will help the broom fly. Okay. So it's like pulling you. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But... Here's a fun fact. Birch also grows an hallucinogenic fungus of its own. <laughs> um, so this, this fungus actually causes the thinner branches on birch trees to splinter into more branches. So they become bushy and they have this wild twiggy outgrowth known as witch's broom. Oh, okay. So... I don't know which one came first. <laughs> I don't know either. But but essentially, yeah, that's the fungus um, can can make you hallucinate if you eat it. So don't do that. Uh, but it's yeah, it's known as witch's broom. <laughs> and then the whole thing, if you want to get real spiritual about it, the whole thing would be tied with um, with willow. So you take the like long stringy like branches from willow and you wrap that around it. And now that has an, an actual practical effect that as the willow um, twigs, I'm going to call them the willow fronds. I don't know what the, the little skinny branches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, as they dry, they actually shrink uh-huh. and tighten. And so you wrap this as tight as you can around your birch twigs. And then as it dries, it's just going to lock it in more and get tighter and tighter. Oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, willow is also the sacred tree of uh, Hecate. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. I know so, of a willow tree around here. Oh, do you? I do. Ooh. Uh-huh. I was over by my place. Oh. Or yeah, it used so. to be anyway. <laughs> I, don't know. I haven't been down that street in a while, but. So some besom makers will um, explore a little bit with uh, different things. So if you see one that's like, you know, an artisan has made a besom using forsythia is also really popular for the twig part. Oh, okay. Um, Heather is really popular, especially with the flowers still dried onto it. Um, The white heather um, of the moors in the UK is much more rare than the purple. So that was also thought to bring good, uh, good luck. And sometimes even pussy willows can be bound together, um, especially for um, besoms that are used to welcome the spring. What about like feathers? Feathers seems like it would work for a broom material too. Uh, no, I've never, I didn't see anything about feathers. And I wonder if that's because it's an animal part. Could be. As opposed to a tree or plant material. Yeah, it could be. Because everything I saw was plant material only. 
but I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I guess it would depend on your personal practice. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so aside from taking cool spiritual trips, uh, and jumping over fires, besoms or broomsticks are, as we said, used in a lot of springtime festivals as a symbol of fertility. And people can like shake them, dance them, ride them, leap over brooms themselves, dance around bonfires with them. And as we said, the broom represents this sort of phallic energy. So the shaft is supposed to be the masculine, the twigs are supposed to be the feminine, and they come together to create this sort of fertile symbol. And that's what's like related to spring and new growth and a prosperous growing season and harvest and all those good things. So brooms and spring and festivals. Yeah. They all just go together. Bunch of wild hallucinating witches. Oh, yeah. Riding around <laughs> on them. Love it. But I think we'd be uh, remiss or impolite, at least, if we didn't mention that in Wiccan practices, the broom is a very sacred tool. So we, again, if you're just listening for the first, second, fourth time, we haven't mentioned this in a while. We are not Wiccan. We don't dive a lot into specific practices that we don't know a lot about. But I think it's important to mention uh, and recognize that this is a very important tool for, uh, for Wiccan practices and Wiccan witches. And it's used to basically cleanse and purify a space. So most common, it's a ritual circle. And so bef- like as they're getting ready to, to cast a spell or create a ritual circle, uh, to ritually cleanse the casting area, uh, there is, before a spell is performed, there's the sort of symbolic sweeping. So you'd use a besom to sweep away negative energy and astral buildup. So the high priestess or priest would walk clockwise, sort of tracing the circle, sweeping with the broom a few inches off the ground and sweeping away all the negative energy and cleaning it for that sacred space to be able to perform a spell. And then lastly, uh, the last little one that I found is it's also an important part of the hand fasting ceremony. So uh, basically a Wiccan wedding tradition. And the... Uh, the couple may jump over the besom during the ceremony for um, fertility and growth of their love. Awesome. Yeah. So it's one of those, like, you know, sort of the, the main tools. You got pentagrams and chalices and cups and cauldrons. And in and, and Wiccan, you've also got a besom, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Thank you for doing all that research and finding My all that stuff pleasure. such cool information <laughs> and that is just like truly the tip of the iceberg there's so 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 much out there and i i gather gathered yeah i gathered <laughs> <laughs> this information from all over the place some of the ones that um really stood out to me were um, Enchanted Living Magazine had a pretty good article on Brooms, Besom's history and lore. Um, Purdue Education had a cool thing on um, on stuff that we're going to get into actually next episode around um, corn brooms. And Mother Earth News had some cool stuff. Um, the website Witchcraft and Witches had some cool stuff around where the term Besom came from and what does it mean today. So... There was like, there's a lot out there. Pick and choose what works for you. 
That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as we alluded, this is a two-part episode. This is part one. And next week, we're going to come back and talk about how to make a broom. Because I'm not going to lie, I got real into, real down a rabbit hole on how to make brooms. <laughs> and we talked a little bit how to make besom. But I got really intrigued on not just the besom making, but the more traditional sort of corn broom side of things. And I know besoms are more associated with witchcraft than a corn broom, but fuck it, it's our podcast. We're going to talk about what we want. Yeah, (laughs) totally. So next episode, come on back, and we're going to talk about how to make a broom, as well as some cool superstitions. Love it. Sweet. So excited. Awesome. Well, get your fly-in ointment, enjoy your trip, And we'll see you next week. But remember, no pervs, no Nazis. Totally.